Hi there, I hope everyone's safe at home and taking care of themselves. I've finally managed to edit and put together the interview I did with Shades of Rhythm when they were up last August playing at 1994. I met up with the guys in the hotel room and spoke to them about the beginnings of Shades of Rhythm and their influences in music. I hope you enjoy the show and I hope to see you all when we're allowed out at the next 1994. Enjoy! Check! Coming live from a crack house in Glasgow <laughs> with the boys from Shades of Rhythm. The porn is sopped. <laughs> no. um, welcome to the XL podcast, lads. If you would just like to kindly introduce yourselves to our Bonnie listeners. My name's Ryan G, frontman, singer. I'm Nick. I'm doing the. Uh, what am I doing tonight? I'm doing. I'm doing magic tricks, strings, samples, and decks tonight. Hi, I'm Lanx, so I'm doing keys. There it is, boys. That's it. In a That's nutshell. <laughs> In a nutshell. So, like every good story, we start at the, the start, obviously. Um, take it back, take it way back. Taking it way back, rewind. Was there a sort of defined, it's kind of hard because there's a three years there, but yeah. we'll, we'll with it. was there a sort of a time when music sort of spoke to you as a youth? Before dance music that you kind of, you know, it could be one of those tracks that just you bought in seven inch or, and played non-stop you know that you really felt something special about music yeah yeah it was weird for us because we when we started we it was kind of hip-hop 1985 and like american influence was coming over to to the uk and and we started buying you know early 80s hip-hop the um an electro electro funk and um, we we were kind of when we formed Rain was rapping uh, I was scratching Lanks was doing keys and we'd just like go to a television workshop that weren't open on a Sunday and uh, just set up some samplers and some decks and, and just like jam for like four hours um, what kind of year was this? 1985. 85? Yeah, 1985. And whereabouts in the world is this happening? In Peaceborough, in Cambridgeshire, yeah, where we're all from, yeah. I mean, originally, me and Lanx, because it was like breakdancing crews, really. Yeah. And like, Ryan was in one crew, uh, me and Lanx was in another crew. And then there was kind of various rap competitions at local clubs, and they were always like on a Sunday night or a Thursday night, because you could never get in the, the main clubs on a Friday or Saturday, because you were kind of... Um, alternative it was alternative wasn't it you know it was like back then it was like no trainers yeah just chart music so so there was various like rap kind of competitions and that and you know and, and break dancing and and we'd both meet at that um, and, and then we just decided to just do something together and that's when we started like just jamming in in a workshop on a Sunday and um, and then technology kind of grew enough for us to buy a sampler with our wages. Um, what was the first sort of sampler you bought? Um, a Roland S10, 
which is like all yeah. built in. They had quick discs in. We had like a three second fucking memory. Or well, well, that's the thing though. But eight point two. I think the first thing. Well, the beauty about the sampler was because it only had you know three to six seconds, depending on what sample rate you put it on. We had to speed the hip hop beats up to get it into the sampler and then we'd play it slowly yep. again to do the rap and then we suddenly thought hold on a minute it sounds really good speed it up you know and then that's where it kind of started for us you know the, bizarrely a lot of people that I've talked to it's the site break dancing yeah. and BMX and it's always there's always, always a close sort of connection I mean, for, isn't it for me where it started the only chance, the only time we ever get to hear that sort of music, underground music, was mainly at like either social clubs that we put on or at blues parties. Yeah. Nightclubs didn't want to know because it was like it weren't it weren't their thing. It's more shown than Jason music yeah, it was more and, yeah. and you had to wear a suit. So that's how I started. I started my sort of career with like the music side of it. Just putting on parties at social clubs, at colleges. Houses doing loads of house parties. Playing the music that you yeah. and your friends and wanted to hear. It was, just, it was just all. It's just all the kids that were like. Yeah, we had like kids that was into. We had, <laughs> <laughs> we had kids that were into reggae, soul, yeah. uh, hip hop, um, just indie. It was just like a like just nice mixed bag of people that used to come out to all these parties. All the, all the misfits basically. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I think that's where all that influence, that rave influence, because it was a bit of everything yeah. that sort of merged into that sort of sound. Yeah. I mean, I remember buying, well, the first, my, my turn, my turning point, when I first heard, when I first heard uh, Rapper's Delight, that was my first turn. When I heard Planet Rock, yeah, that was the defining moment because everything else is so polished. And when I heard Party People, and it just sounded so different. And then, and I just found myself sort of moving towards that electronic stuff. I used to like, like craft work and bits and pieces like that. I used to like all that sort of stuff. We we all do. We all like like different sort of yeah. music. No? Yeah, I think my turning point probably Lance's as well. Yeah. We went to like an all. They used to be all dayers on yeah, Sunday right. in Nottingham, yeah. Birmingham, and I heard G Force yeah. electro record and the bass in it just. You know, there was soul records going on, and yeah. then all of a sudden this bass came from nowhere. Yeah. So that that was the electronic turning point but you've got to realise people miss out at this point like back in back in like the early early 80s we used to go to all dayers and it was just like what we was doing in Peterborough they were doing it on a big scale yeah we start from 3 o'clock till 12 and you used to hear soul hip hop we heard house yeah I was going to say is that coming like maybe from the tail end yeah. of Northern Soul and all that yeah, yeah, kind of stuff that, those that, kind that, of that, that, that was that was it. when we heard like when we heard like rhythm is rhythm we heard rhythm is rhythm way back yeah. 86 87 eight, eight, well, 86 87 I mean, that was a big tune back then. People were jacking. People were blowing whistles. You know what I mean? It was, yeah. that, it was that influence back then. But it was, as I say, it was all the misfits yeah. that used to come down to them sort of things. And it was that, for me, that's how it started for me. Yeah. That's how it all... Because music wasn't as ready, readily available, wasn't it? It was like a word of mouth or you had to go and find it. You had to it. go and find it. Yeah. I mean, we, used to, we, I mean we, we, all of us are vinyl junkies. I mean, like, we used to have a Saturday where, right, got 150 quid, marked off all my record shops that I would need to go to, and just spent all day just driving, like Cambridge, Luton, London, yeah. and then radio cassette on in London, recording all the pirate radio stations, researching that, trying to find out if the yeah. tracks, trying to find the tracks, then go back to London, and then that, and, that, and that's how it was. And that, for me, that's that, that was my addiction. A lot of sort of 
artists now that I've spoke to the the record store yeah. was pretty much the hub the internet was, back then yeah, where yeah, you would meet other like-minded people you would talk about tunes and all yeah. that there probably a lot of producers and all that kicking about or budding producers yeah. at the times and all that and it was good it, when I used to go you, you had to you had to strike a good rapport with the guys that were selling yeah. the record to make sure you're the up front yeah, ones yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we used to hang about and wait for all the top DJs come in and see what they bought and then like all right, yeah. obviously didn't get it this week but next week write it down and then go back there next week yeah and then what we tried what we try to do is bring bring the best to our hometown and then just feed them feed the kids yeah. out and then that's how we that's how the scene started off for us really. so so where's the sort of nearest are you sort of where you're based is that a sort of satellite town is there a bigger city nearby what's the sort of biggest for clubs the biggest city. yeah yeah what's that uh, peterborough is the biggest city in our area yeah yeah i mean we're closest to cambridge yeah. but they're there's not a lot going on in Cambridge because yeah. it's all college students and tourists. But I think I think the good thing about back then was it wasn't so much the size of the city, it was the size of the underground in that place yeah. because if you had a lot of towns around it, which we have, yeah, yeah, they'd all come together, yeah. you know, it's from... I mean, we're right in the middle of Nottingham, Birmingham, um, London. You know, we're right in the middle of them all. So, and we're right on the A1. Yeah. So, when the gigs started coming in, we could go north and south. Yeah, and that, yeah. And that, 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 reflect, that reflected our music. Down south, they were more into hip hop and break beats and yeah. bass lines. And then up north, they were more into the pianos and the vocals and the, and yeah. the, and the straight 4 4. And we, we just, we was always experimenting all the time. We're like, four, four, put a break beat behind it. Put yeah, it yeah. It. Let's speed it up. Let's slow it down. And, that, and that's, and that's, that sweet sensation. I mean, sweet sensation was made in what, 86, 80, no, 87, 87, 88? 87, 88. You know what I mean? Just, and that's just coming out of you yeah. guys partying, getting a feel for what he's not, like, sampling. Yeah, not so much partying, just, just. Well, well yeah. We were just still in love with the uh, technology, technology then. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You put, you, we was into jazz, funk and soul, soul yeah, right, from yeah. growing up. Yeah. So that's what we spent all their time, money and effort on, on soul, jazz and funk. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we start getting electronic equipment, samplers and drum machines. And we're like, ooh, that's got a nice cheeky sample in it. Yeah. That's got a nice... And then like Nick said, you speed it up a little bit and you're like, ooh, wow, what's going on here? I remember and it was purely for the creativeness. Yeah. I remember then, the first... Sorry, sorry to cut, I remember yeah, the well. first time we had that... Because I, I bought a Juno, I bought a Juno 2 uh, keyboard and you had the... Uh, you got the 999... Uh, mm-hmm. Drum machine. You remember when we and when we and the sampling. Remember when we plugged it in? Yeah. And you programmed that bass line. Just and like there was a there and a drum machine there and a wire in between. And, and it, that controlled that. And he's like, whoa. <laughs> and then, then you play the bass. Then, then you program the bass line and it played itself. It was like it plays itself. <laughs> and then from that, then then you bought then you bought the did you buy the Akot? You bought other bits and pieces. Yeah, we, I mean we all like had jobs back yeah. then, so we was you know all your wages just went right. into it. Yeah. It was like a little music village shop, yeah. and we'd go down there and see how much it is, see how much you need to save up, and eventually you know you get a new keyboard and that takes you off in another oh, direction. Yeah. But I think the difference now is you can well you can just turn anything and. and Get any choice. You, yeah, yeah. It's too much choice. Whereas we'd have to learn a bit yeah. of kit inside out, yeah. and we couldn't yeah. learn anything else because we couldn't afford it until three months down the line when you had another bit of kit yeah. that you had to learn inside out and get the best out. Yeah, of it, you yeah. know. So, well, even if you if you like to sa- if you like to sound of a, if you like to sound of that you had on the track. Oh, what keyboard made that sound? Yeah. You know, you what, try hundreds you know, I mean, of keyboards. Like, like no, we used to love yeah. the 808 sound. We used to like loose ends and we used to love the way they used to program their beats and that. What machine made that, that 
you know what yeah. I mean? That sort of sound. Yeah. So we used to try to hunt, and we used to, and we used to pick people's brains. I mean, we used to knock around with the prodigy and stuff like that. We used to, we used to pick each other's brains all the time about yeah. keyboards that we had and what they used and stuff. Yeah. Like. And try to so, so what we're using other tracks and all that exactly. as well, yeah, aren't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, I think yeah. it was Frankie Bones that told us like that the acid sound was in Roland TB three hundred three. Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly we was like, wow, need yeah. that. You need to get one of those. <laughs> Got on them. I ended up buying one from this little music shop in Dorset for like thirty-five pounds or something. What? Like yeah, yeah, and like three pound postage and packing. But I went. I was going to say, how much did you pay for your nine hundred nine? Those. Well, I had two because I had one for a few years. Two. Yeah. Sure off now. Come I, on. Then I sold it and I really missed it, so I bought another one. But I think that was both about sort of two hundred and fifty quid. Wow. Mm. I bought my first nine hundred nine from a, a, a sort of. They sold Ninja Stars and fucking Rambo yeah. knives yeah. and occasional musical instruments. And I went in one day and I was like, yeah, any 303s, 909s, 808s. And yeah. the guy was like, a 90 what? <laughs> He's fucking pulled it out between two Marshall amps. Oh, right. He was a saxophonist as well. And he was like, it's just around the corner. It's called, oh, when was it? Oh, when? This was about 92. Yeah. Well, but I had like, samples of the 909, but never had the real no. drum machine and all that. Then we just pulled it out. I just thought I'd fucking found the pot at the end of the rainbow. Yeah. He had a saxophone sort of hanging around his neck. Yeah. And he was like, how much is it worth to you? And I was like, trying to keep my shit together and all that. And I was like, well, you know, <laughs> how much so are we talking? And he went, mm, t- Two two fifty, <laughs> and I was like, "Fuck!" There's a den in me, yeah, and yeah, I got it. I couldn't believe friend, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's friend, yeah. So setup wise, did you get quickly get a sort of the setup that went on to record some of your big tracks, or was it always yeah. sort of changing? Or you used to work, you used to work at Nick used to work at a television repair shop then because he, yeah. he was in electronics and stuff. Yeah, I mean, basically. We, from the workshop and the jams, um, we decided to just do an album. Um, there Straight was, off the bat before a single or anything? No, there was, there was a single. Basically, what, what happened was there used to be four of us in Shades of Rhythm, uh, Wildcat, and he was just into his 303s and we was, we yeah. got, we was doing, it, we was doing like Acid House and, and, you know, experimental stuff with beats on but Acid. And, but we decided um, to go and record it to do an album uh, so we went to record it in a closest studio which was in Biggleswade about 45 minutes from us and we got there and uh, studios weren't cheap back then as well. they weren't cheap no so we was all chipping in um, I think it was like 50 quid each it was like 200 quid something like that for the for the two days uh, and we got there and it was a, a guy called Steve Vincent running the studio Um it's that name's relevant in a bit because um so it turns out he was in a jazz funk band that we really loved called touchdown did you know that's at a time we didn't know we came out in the second day or something like that so um so we was kind of a you know well you know um and we had a good laugh there you know we even did like a jazz funk jack track on the on the other side of the single because we decided when we was there that we'd just do a single to start with we went in and you know, thinking we'll do an album, and because we didn't have a clue, basically, we was just making it up as we went along. Um, and uh, so we did that "Just Feel It" um, track on the A side, and then uh, "Jazz Funk Jack" um, on the B side, and we even a soul track as well with a soul Never singer. I feel this way. <laughs> so, yeah, so we had like a gospel singer as well. So, so we we even back then we were doing lots of different kind of styles. Um, anyway. Um, 
it turns out Steve Vincent then later releases Dirty Cash. So he's uh, Stevie V. Wow. So um, I thought that was an American guy. Was Stevie? No, nah, lives in Bigglesworth. Yeah, yeah. So their their record company, um, Beatbox International. Yeah. Um, while he's there, he said, "Can I release this?" You know. And this was years before the Stevie V thing. So um, so we was like, "Well, record deal. That's amazing." But long and short of it is, we we actually came to Scotland and did. 15 gigs in two days. <laughs> and I remember it was really snowy as well. It was fucking thick snow. And it, it was when... Meet these guys stars, Cinema Scotland. It, it, was when, it was when a tour was literally going one club come out. Yeah. I think Tim Pan Alley and all those yeah. sort of venues. In what Glasgow. year is this? This must have been like... 87, 88. Ah, okay. Yeah, 87, 88. Um, and, and that basically... Basically, the short of it was we saw no money and we left. Um, oh, and incidentally, Wildcat didn't want to sign a record deal because he, he wasn't into contracts. So he left. He left the band. So and that left three of us. So because he wasn't happy with he didn't want to sign a contract. contract. Yeah, he was, like, he was really passionate about his music. Wasn't he? He was really, yeah, Wildcat yeah. was really passionate. And, and and then basically what happened? We um, we didn't get any money. We decided to carry on with the album. We had two studios and we were writing demos in both of them uh, and then we got together um, one one week <laughs> we got together one week to put all the tracks together and produce them um, and that was the Frequency album which is our first album that we put out we decided to press a thousand copies we we bunged them in the car once you've done it yourself pressing it yourself and all that or did, just through the no we went, went some instant it? Ives again local um, and Manchester it was well, oh yeah we got the masters done yeah locally yeah, yeah, yeah. SRD yeah we were going down south first bunged him in the car yeah. went to Manchester and London they're the only two places to start with London and we literally took him in a record shop put one on the deck they listened to it and said yeah leave us 30 copies so you leave you using a, a kennel like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, that was- it's where we bought records from so yeah, we well, kind of knew them. them yeah and um and instantly after one week they were like can you bring two more boxes down and can you bring two more Brilliant. boxes down and we'll pay you for that so it's all sale or return sort of stuff uh, it was only one it was only one shop in london that wasn't it wasn't it well it was mash yeah it was underneath a, like a rave clothes shop um and the only shop that didn't was black market they put it on and they went nah like it's in front of everybody as well the shop's full on a saturday it's like and, and then it went to number one in their chart in the rave chart about a year later wow so and on a white label so somebody had bootlegged it and it went to number one in their chart which they they didn't want a year ago so but but yeah and then um sweet sensation that you mentioned about we'd finished the album um and we thought oh thank god that's our way that mixing down tracks is really hard work <laughs> we'd never done it like that for an album uh so we just started jamming um, and with the samples from the tracks on the album and that's how Sweet Sensation happened yeah. I remember Rayan who you weren't playing keys he was doing vocals but he just got his finger and went like this on keyboard and he's like yeah yeah keep that keep that I can hear it he's just like literally free let me just do piano this be free on the keyboard but little things like that sounded really yeah. good and, yeah. and the key. So it's happy accidents are just yeah, kind of make things, yeah. aren't it? Yeah. Not mention, let's not, not, not mention the 
Haven't. Yeah, 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 Stu Allen. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like when we went to Manchester, what's, what was his record shop called? Spinning, Spinning Records. Records. I mean, Stu Allen basically just broke us up north, man. Seriously. Yeah. And by the time it felt, by the time the album filtered down south, everyone thought it was a Manchester band. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. So I mean, like, gotta give him props because he right. he really put he really put his heart and soul and had a belief in what we did. Yeah. Especially the sort of like the breakbeat piano stuff. That sort of stuff that you really like. Yeah, well, he, he was playing on Key 103. Yeah. Um, and we used to drive from Peterborough in the car just to listen to that radio yeah. station, which is like two and a half hours. And then once the show finished, you'd drive <laughs> home. Like, it's mad, isn't it? So that's the lens you rented that. to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what we used to do. And that, we were just hungry for. So we were just. <laughs> thanks. We were just, <laughs> we were just hungry for the knowledge of the music yeah, when yeah. it first came out. I mean, like, I don't know. But yeah, my first thing, I mean, let's go right back. I remember buying my very first house track um, from a guy called Mark Goodliffe, who did who did some work on our album. He's a young lad from Peterborough, used to work HMV, proper vinyl junkie, he knew everything like that. And I, I remember walking in there, because we used to have this, you remember a magazine called, uh, is it Black Echoes? Mm -hmm. Black Echoes, that was like our Bible. They had all the imports, all the latest tracks that yeah. come through. There was little, little five, little five track, five track thing called house music, best of. And I said, "Have you heard about this house music thing?" Because yeah, 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 I've heard about it. Because it goes, oh, they won't. It goes, they won't let us get it, get it in. It goes, but don't worry, because I'll, I'll sneak some, I'll sneak some in. And yeah, I remember buying like the first track. Um, it was Tyree Cooper, um, a track called "I Hear the Night," and basically it was just an, it was just a nine nine nine. I know, an 808, and just him going, ah, I feel the night. I was so hooked of how simple it was. Yeah. That's, how simple. that's the 70s, though. Do the 12-inch. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the night. I, I, I feel the night. <laughs> but, yeah. but back then, you know, that I think there was that... Um, so almost like a punk rock approach. M, they can do yeah. this. Just That's get it. your hands on the gear and you're away. It was yeah. basically just stripped it right down to its core, right? Because everything we got from America was really polished and it was it was already established. But then when house music came out with just its simple bass drum and simple sampler, all the kids were thinking, shit, I can, I can make music like yeah. this, I can do this. You yeah. know what I mean? And then when we started getting more more stuff in by track record, DJ International stuff coming in, and we're thinking, crikey, yeah, we can get on, we want to get on this. Because it had the energy, it had the yeah. energy, and, and and nobody nobody couldn't get their heads around it at first. Yeah, you're hearing everything for the first time as well. Yeah, right? like we, drum patterns, snare rolls, yeah. bass sounds. It's all like you've. It, it's hard to think about yeah. it now because everything's been rinsed. Yeah, but exactly. back then, you're hearing it all fresh, you know, fresh first and time used, in a system. Because we, we used to be into hip hop, and then we and then when when new stuff comes out, we just we were young kids, we just jumped on it. Yeah, and all that hip hop mates, because we dancing to that stuff. Like, what's all that? What's what's all that sort? Of, they, they just hate yeah. it. They hate it. But I then five years later, they all jumped on it. Well, it's kind of mad, even like up here, for, for the in the early days, everybody went to like community centres, clubs, yeah. and then there was the Metro was the first big nightclub yeah. up where I live. And all our mates were on it, hip-hop, it was like eclectic. But that was the first big divider. Hip-hop mates went, nah, yeah. I'm not feeling this. Sorry? Soul Coats. Yeah, Soul Coats yeah, yeah, yeah. the very one. Yeah. Uh, Captain Joe at the helm. Yeah. Joe Deaton. <laughs> so, but that was at a time when we sort of noticed a, a divide in our sort of wee collective. Because yeah, yeah. the hip-hop guys, they started, like, it was like more pure. Yeah. And they went down a hip-hop road. Yeah. And then everybody who was still hanging in with the house. Yeah. And that was like the first wee sort of divide. Yeah. We kind of seen in they couldn't get the our around. scene. I don't think they couldn't get around the, the th I think it was a tempo because it was quite heavy because yeah, yeah. we used to call it high energy stuff 
You know what I mean? And basically all that high energy stuff was more headed towards the sort of like the gay scene. Yeah. So I mean like a lot a lot a lot a lot of the hip hop lot a lot of the hip hop kids couldn't get their heads around it. Especially once, like Big Daddy yeah, Kane. Well, exactly. <laughs> but then, once, the, once some brat spark thought, right, like the tempo, let me speed, let me put a jump loop over that. And then the kids think, well, there's a little bit of breakbeat in there. <laughs> and a few years later, they'll call it jungle or breakbeat, whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, that's that's how it, that's, that, that, that was the early days for us. Well, we take a wee break and maybe a few guys could maybe pick a song each from, maybe a, you know, like before it's just a song that's maybe just kicking it off for you and we can maybe what for back in the day from back in the okay, day yeah. we'll play that and then we'll come back take the chat out again okay cool what, what are you just kind of thinking then um, I'll, I'll do uh, LFO LFO Belter uh, game changer for us and I've got stories mm. oh are <laughs> we doing it now <laughs> oh, okay. I'll, I'll, yeah for me it's uh, LFO by LFO because as we were selling Frequency album um, we were in Manchester and we went to this club night Oh my god! And it was like a little. <laughs> it was, oh, the club was called Conspiracy, and um, the DJs were jamming jam MCs. I, I remember all this because it was such a game. Bomb into your and, memory. Yeah, and uh, we went into one room, and they were really small rooms, but um, and then that's where we heard LFO for the first time, and the bass was oh, just immense. Yeah, it was you know the summary spit yeah. in the middle. There. It was a rib breaker. It was a rib breaker. Yeah, and um, <coughs> you know tunes like that change your direction completely. Yeah. You know because it does something to you. So mm. yourself. Mine was all the electro stuff. You know, uh, Tyrone Bronson, the Smurf, yeah. and like Planet Rock yeah, yeah. and G Force and the Pac Man and Nucleus. Yeah. yeah, don't be greedy. Don't be greedy. <laughs> it's like when all the electronic equipment started to pull through. Yeah, that was it. Really. If you were to pick one from that era, what are you thinking? What out of the electro era? Yeah, yeah, just so as we can. Oh, yeah. I know it's a hard one, isn't it? I'm going to say Tyrone Bronson because, like, if anybody new listens to that and considers that it came out in what eight, eight, eight two, eight two, eight two, yeah, yeah, consider what the other music was like around that time. Yeah, and then listen to it I still can't get to grips with what it does it's an amazing mm. straight off a spaceship yeah yeah it's incredible yeah if I had to go 80s I'll, I'll go um, I'm still on the um, electro thing I'll, I'll uh, Shannon let the music play yeah, yeah. because so it's that it was hard electro but that vocally yeah. that uplifting vocal yeah and you got to get the girls involved <laughs> you got to get the girls involved yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll cut to those, we'll, we'll dig those out and then we'll come back. Yeah, okay.
We're back after the amazing tunes. Not to hear them again. <laughs> so, um, she's a rhythm. But first, how did the name come about? Because I think it's a pretty cool name. Yeah, we had a chat with somebody in a club the other night. And he was like, oh, by the way, how did you like come up with your name? And he's like, well, quite simple, really. There's one black, one white, one brown. And it like blew his mind. He was like, <laughs> did you look like, Yeah. <laughs> After all this time, it's self-explanatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like, uh, Colour chart. <laughs> didn't, didn't those emojis give you a clue? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we send them all the time, don't we? <laughs> the black fist, the white fist, the brown fist. Yeah. We, we was nearly called Swatch. <laughs> uh, was that fit? Was that after all wearing the watches or something like that? Well before then, man. yeah, yeah. Well before then, I just yeah. I, no, I, I sort of knew how it was, but I just looked for the. Well, for, it, it did take a long time to come up with the name, and yeah. obviously we came up with loads of shitey ones yeah, that did, yeah. I can't even remember. But um, swatches up there. Eventually, we sort of settled on that. Mm. Yeah, it was quite a relief. Yeah. Uh, so it's a wicked name, and it also sort of, I think sort of sums up the, 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 the feeling of togetherness yeah. that the, the, the movement really did have back in yeah. the day. You know, the, even like, you know, like when you when you went to early raves, the music was eclectic, yeah. you know, it was like, I don't know, people from, you know, just all sorts of music, all sorts of background. Yeah. And it really yeah. was this yeah. kind of feeling of we're all, we're all freaks and we're all in it together. That's it, that's it. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think the name really does kind of sum up. Yeah. We was unaware of it at the time, but like, I, I don't know whether you've seen the documentary, Everybody's Everybody in the Place. Yeah, that, yeah. That in retrospect, it was like, you know, it was political movement kind yep. of thing, wasn't it? It was like all youngsters going, nah, fuck this, I don't want to yeah. do this anymore, I'm going to go in this direction. Yeah. So and I you was meeting all different people, yeah. different walks of life and classes. And I think subconsciously, even if you're no like, jumping about with a fucking Clash t-shirt on, all that's going on in your head. Yeah, yeah. And, you know... When, when these kind of things are happening and you know we're all teenagers at those sort of time you're absorbing everything that's going oh, on so. round about you you might not be up on a soapbox that's it but it's yeah. coming in through the music you make and you just want to be part of something yeah yeah, you know, yeah. When, 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 and that just come at a perfect time yeah. that just come at a perfect time I think everyone just hit hit a mark they just hit a centre point where I just thought well you know I mean, if we do it all together then we could, we're just going to you know stronger together yeah. and we've, we can move yeah. stuff forward it's interesting that you, you bring up that documentary because I don't know what your friends and that have kind of made it, it, it almost I was kind of laughing a wee bit because it, it's almost got a bit of backlash because you people going oh there wasn't enough drugs in it mate and you're like no, it was so cleverly yeah, done yeah, you was, know the, the way yeah, they, they approached it it was amazing yeah, it was. I think that's that's probably the best one out of the lot yeah I'd say um, so yeah. but I mean the same thing comes up from people who we know uh, and that's like it's always London, 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 yeah. London. Yeah. Which, yeah, they did play a big part of, but yeah. at the same time, little pockets. I mean, yeah. places like North Wales, Bangor, yeah. South Coast, Plymouth, they were massive yeah. rave scenes, yeah. all kicking off at the same time yeah. as London. But obviously yeah. London gets the credit. Yeah. So. I think it was a, it was definitely a youth movement, yeah. but I, I think where London managed to hijack it is because they had the Face magazine and all these kind of, you know, the, the sort of, I don't know, the social media mm. at the time. Yeah. And then they kind of concentrated it. You know, they, they, they had, they had it was more polished than magazines where, I don't know, up here it was like fanzines. Yeah. It was just going to the ravers. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like it was a printed but magazine. To, to be honest, I, I think the house scene was, it, it, start, it kicked off really slow in London because they were because re London was really heavily hip hop. It was yeah. heavily hip hop. 
Um, obviously, the music got, got there first, but only when it went to Manchester and it filtered yeah. back down and and the Manchester scene picked up. Because up, up north, I mean, when they party up north, it is they party like it's the last party they're going yeah. to have. When you go down south, it's a little bit more showy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's more to be seen. If it, it, it was back then. Back yeah. Well, yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, back then, yeah. I mean, we didn't actually enjoy playing in London no. in 91 it was a tough crowd yeah because it was, it, it was like people with their arms yeah. folded in front of you yeah. watching you come yeah. on then we've seen everybody else let's see you can do it now <laughs> you know Oops. and well, we weren't used to that we yeah. was used to like we yeah. 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 yeah you know so I think all the all the sort of satellite towns make up the cities in it right? yes I think a lot of cities forget that they think even the same in Glasgow and all they think oh Glasgow that's a place to be but it's everybody for around about yeah. that comes in to do the gigs do the shows or you know network or whatever so it really makes the city so what's that, every, what it every, is everyone's got everyone's, everyone's got a story so yeah. I, mean, I think if, I think if you take every little pocket of everyone's individual story and then have it go to a centre point you know it'll make, it'll make an interesting sitcom <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's weird I mean now London is the same you know because yeah. of the mix of students you got yeah. and, and everything else it's like it's having it there now it's brilliant yeah. Yeah. but at that short period of time it was a really tough crowd yeah because yeah. they, they got everything yeah. they got all the main acts America yeah. everybody coming there and showing everything and you know, you got three people who don't really know what they're doing for the first time on stage. <laughs> it's like intimidating. Th and the thing about London, they think the world ends at uh, Essex, so that's it. <laughs> yeah. One of our first shows was, because uh, uh, we did the Frequency album, there was no internet, no social network, anything. So we just had a telephone number on the back. I think we had one of our first mobile phones. When did the fax machine arrive? That's all I know. A lot, of it, a lot of it was on the fax. Yeah, I've still got a fax from old and um, So yeah, it was just a telephone number. And then all of a sudden, like somebody said, oh yeah, will you come and play at our gig? And he was like, yeah, yeah, okay then. So all of a sudden we had to take like our little studio on the road. And like one of our first gigs was at the Astoria in London. Oh. And we'd been there for a sound check in the daytime and got it all sorted out. We had an Atari, we had like rack units and four keyboards and everything and DAP machines. And then on the actual night when we did our performance, like got introduced, like there was, you know, it was electric. Yeah, it was about Just played the first few keys, Ryan had introduced us and then all of a sudden like the power went off <laughs> and like some dozy <laughs> photographer had like ducked behind us, yes. pulled out our extension lead. And we had to boot everything up again. Yeah. Like, oh, Ryan was at the front line doing his thing for about uh, the two longest time ever. Yeah, finally got the Atari loaded up and the samplers, and then sort of blew the roof off the place. But yeah. that was that was very memorable. It was a massive. I can remember having a massive state. We knew it was going to be a big old uh, big old rave anyway. So I, I I just went to our local club and anyone that had any half decent dance move, I said, "Do you want to dance? <laughs> <laughs> no money, but you get you get to a free rave." And we have that four or five different dancers. Went to went to a place called Harlequin, bought loads of costumes. Right, you can be skull, you can be devil, or you could be a clown, <laughs> and then just come out, you know, just come on and off uh, different tracks yeah. and stuff like that. But that was that was a proper that was a proper yeah, rave. Yeah. So what it, was, kind of, it was something different. What kind of year is things starting to sort of pick up? First years around when you when you're kind of seeing like the phones going a wee bit more. Well, possibly a few faxes in. 88, 89 is when we released Frequency, and because because we had the phone number on the back, we had a few major record labels showing interest because big DJs started playing at raves like Energy and stuff like that, so their scouts were out because it was getting talked about a lot. Uh, so we had a few majors ring us up. 
um, and we, we eventually signed to ZTT. The idea was they were backed by Warner Brothers, so they had a good backing, but there was also independent record label, 50-50, so we got the independence yep. a little bit without the big with backing. major backings. But, um, so that was the idea. And was that, that was, if you don't mind me asking, was there, was there money back then? Or yeah. If you want to keep it undercover, that's that's cool. Yeah, but, no, no. Because that must have blew your minds if you're getting I can't cash remember the music. Yeah, because back then it was like rock bands were getting advances for albums. So I guess... I guess the increments went up for every album. Uh, I can't remember how much it was. It's probably about fifteen, 15 grand. grand. It was 15 yeah, grand. about fifteen grand. Must have felt like you won the pills or oh, something that was, like that. I was, I was, I was retiring. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm left work. I was like, well, didn't any more of these elements anymore. What, what are you going to do with your shit? <laughs> <laughs> sitting there, sitting there writing lyrics on toilet paper. Hepburn, you're not going to make nothing of that. You know, I'm going to be on top of the pops one day. You watch. You watch. Write lyrics. <laughs> yeah that was 1990 uh, and then we did that gig that Lance was talking about this story about the end of 1990 yeah. and then 91 was just releasing Homicide Exorcist Sweet Sensation Sound of Eden Ecstasy all in that 91 year a yeah. lot of people don't realise it was just I, I never knew year. it was just all in one year yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah. hell! That's 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 a killer schedule for you guys. Just yeah, blasting yeah, them out. Because oh, yeah. probably as well, vinyl and the lifespan of records were much longer back in the day. Yeah. So yeah. probably, you know, one of the early ones are still fucking huge, and then yeah. boom, there's another one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there was only about sort of, you know, like Nick just said, there was about five main records, but it was like really surprising how they took off in different parts of the country. Yeah. Because yeah. like you know. Down south, it'd be like ecstasy and uh, exorcist and homicide, homicide yeah. sound of Eden, kind of all over the place. Sweet sensation up north, and then we did a gig in Switzerland once, and uh, we had like a set already worked out, and started speaking to the promoter, and he was like, "God, I hope you're doing everybody tonight. Everybody <laughs> loves everybody." And was that on the set list? And he's like, "I'm playing on the set list." So we had to find a studio somewhere and like sort of take it off a tape and be yeah. on that or something, something yeah. like that, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was actually next to Lake Geneva, and it was um, Queen's Queen's Studio, the band Queen, and we was like, "Oh my God, we're in Queen's Studio <laughs> with a dat and a tape, <laughs> smoking everywhere." <laughs> yeah. So that was, and and that was, um, and then after Ecstasy, it obviously Chai got to about 16 in the charts, did the Top of the Pops thing, you know, did Top of the Pops with like Diana Ross. (laughs) (laughs) And and the thing is, they still didn't understand us then. I mean, we shouldn't have done it really, but you you know, Top of the Pops is just so it. Oh yeah. You know, and uh, in our costumes that we, because they work in a club, they're like they shine red to violet. But we got asked to leave the top of the pop studio because our costumes because we were putting Diana Ross off because <laughs> our costumes were too bright. I mean that that no, is that is that like made you, it for me. Did you get rid of the clown? <laughs> and they had loads of UV as well, didn't they? Loads of UV. I mean, she was just she was just pissed off because yeah, yeah. she got pulled at the airport yeah, that that's year. Right, yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> but then after then we delivered it, it, it kind of, the rave scene had kind of reached a peak where it was everything was charting you know in, yeah. in the charts there were like I don't know eight or ten rave records yeah. yeah so we'd we'd kind of and and the whole thing we we were worn out that yeah, f- yeah we was we we were pretty shattered what, what year are we talking about end yeah. of night one well, not right 
So beginning in 92, we did an EP called Fear of the Future, mm. and ZTT kind of said, now we want another ecstasy and sound of Eden. Yeah. And we're like, we, we don't want to regurgitate stuff, yeah. we want to move forward. Mm. Yeah. Um, so they said, no, no, we're not going to put that out, it's, it's too underground. So, um, so then we did a Happy Feelings track, which again had our influence, yeah. but still had pianos. Yeah. So they were going, yeah, it's still... Uh, not what we want, yeah, but, mean, but we let's see how we, it goes. Yeah, but meanwhile, we were working these tracks on the PA circuit, and, and they're just working. We knew, yeah. we knew working. what was working. Yeah. yeah, but we used a sample that uh, we didn't get cleared by Ultramagnetic MCs, mm. and they were just going through um, uh, some record com company bollocks. So, mm. so we had to burn forty thousand copies pre-sale as well of, of, of vinyl CDs, yeah, um, and. So that never came out because we never cleared the sample. So at this point, this is kind of the low point because mm. <laughs> we'd like 91 was yeah. so high, yeah. and then all of a sudden we've got two knockbacks like this. But it always so, seems to be the business side that just fucking so sucks true, the yeah. life out, hangs yeah. in it. That's so true. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, but obviously, 90, like you're saying, the 91 what, but the tracks have just fucking smashed out. The bookings and also the touring's not slowing down, you're still here, there and everywhere every other weekend because yours must have been the same back in the day there used to be like up in Scotland the easy three all-nighters in one weekend yeah. Yeah. which is unheard of now but yeah, you know was... there was just a thirst for fucking nights out yeah. so the gigs must be still relentless back then yeah, even though yous are maybe we, frustrated we were, doing, we were doing like three gigs a, a, a week and still going in the studio Tuesday to Thursday trying to create and be creative and uh, it just took its toll on us yeah. Yeah. because you can't party that hard no, no. and work that hard and then, with the, and then with the knockback of what they've been with the knockback what ZTT done us, it just it just yeah. it just zapped our morale takes a window at your sales kind of thing yeah yeah we kept second guessing everything all the time yeah so it was just a little bit yeah, it was a bit of a dark period but I mean I guess the threes have got yourselves to bounce off or you know you uh, that, no, there was a point where we was killing, nearly yeah, killing each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in between the killing, you know. But, I mean, I think just dealing with the bullshit, if you're just one artist, I think that's always kind of like, yeah. I've got a lot of respect for, like, you know, just like solitary figures kind of yeah. thing that just go through all the bullshit. At least even like when, when you as a touring band, you've kind of got your own wee bubble, your band, at least yeah. you know yeah. the fucking madness is happening round about you. Mm. You know, but... Maui gangs, you know, the normalities yeah. here sort of thing, and you can, helps you kind of deal with the ups and downs, I, th I think anyway, a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, I think I think having three of us is useful because there's always going to be two people who decide one thing and one who don't, so yeah. there's always going to be that decision yeah. that's going to be made at some mm. point, so. Definitely. So will we cut maybe and we'll go into some of the big tunes and then we'll come back and we'll talk about, you know, where we're at now or whatever yep. just ending on a happy note yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we even we never scratched the surface <laughs> go really dark if you want
play tracks, you know, the big ones that you guys are probably sick to the back teeth of hearing. Yeah. But they mean so much to, this is, I think, as being the artists that put these tunes together, they mean so much to the listener mm. that I don't think you ever realise when somebody goes, oh, mate, that tune or whatever, you know, play that at my wedding or, you know, they, they give you some big amazing story. I think sometimes it's hard to really kind of go, oh, thanks very much. And you can, you, you can palm it off. Yeah. But, you know, after the passage of time, you're looking back at your old back catalog guys in, in a different light, maybe yeah. a lot fonder or, or how, how where are, where's the heads with the old music now? Really, really enjoying it. I mean, even from, you know, um, late nineties, you know, we, we, we've always, we've always been touring basically since 1990. Um, some weeks we'd have a couple of month, some weeks we'd have a couple every week, you know, so it's always varied depending on the, how the dance music's kind of taking you. Um, but the last kind of 10 years, it's kind of established itself as kind of, um, Kind of like the retro sound, the yeah. retro scene's kind of changing all, all the time. So now we've got retro is late '96 house, you know, and even even a few trance DJs now are becoming retro, yeah, yeah. you know. So for us, it's changing constantly, and and what I love about it more than anything at the moment is because the big festivals are all going on. Yeah. It's almost like going back to '91, the outside raves, uh, and they bung us in a tent at a festival, and you got like. 18 year olds who are hearing it for the first that's time fine. and they're going that's, that's they're going mad, mad they've got that yeah. same look in their eyes and, it, you know and I mean? it gives it gives you that second wind yeah yeah you know I mean? you've mum heard it but it's nice to introduce yeah. it to fresh ears yeah and then with your experience of 30 years of paing it's just it's it's just just works hand in hand it's just amazing yeah i, mean, I, I love it i love i love playing to youngsters the the young kids is into it I mean, because it's it's it, to them it's that it's like their rare groove, like how I used to like listen to rare groove back in the day. Yeah. But obviously, I could get to see the, I can actually go and see the artists. Yeah. And, you know. Bizarrely, I mean, a lot of the, the sort of new techno guys are sampling a lot of the old records and all that, and it even sounds like as if it'd been made. Yeah. In the early nineties, late eighties, you know, it's almost kind of like went full circle almost, yeah. isn't it? It has got a defi- yeah, it's got that old school sound. It has got a de- defining sound. Yeah. Has um, just where it's. Just, I like the simplicity as well. But it's but, mad the way, you, the way you described it there. It's almost like the kids have tapped into this, I don't know, I could, Northern Soul, where it was just yeah. all the old records yeah. people were finding. Yeah. Maybe that's what the kids are doing now, digging into the old school. And I think the, I think as well, the philosophy of the whole rave scene as well, not so much the music. The music is beautiful, don't get me wrong, but it's that whole environment. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think I've been to thousands of raves. I might have only seen probably, but I could count on one hand how many times I've seen a fight. Yeah, you know, the way it kicks off, where you could just go, just be yourself, have a dance, be with you, you bring your best mates with you, to have yeah, a good yeah. time and stuff like, that. and no trouble. You know, what I mean, look, and ravers looking out for each other. I think, and I think that philosophy of it all with the music. Yeah, that's why that's what's drawing the kids in because nowadays it's pretty dark for the kids nowadays. Uh, isn't it? Snow, uh, it's pretty grim, isn't it? Some yeah. places. Have you ever had the one where you know this young kid will come up and go, oh, "My mum loves your music." Oh yeah, 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 yeah. All the time. Yeah, that's a soul destroyer. He's getting a lift from the airport yeah. um, from this girl who I won't mention, but because she does work for Ricky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But um, no, it's not Julie. But um, yeah, she picks us up and she goes, "Oh, my mum knew I had in the car." It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, who, who? Yeah, shakes her over. Makes us feel great. <laughs> Uses like drive. She's like, "This shit's rhythm or assholes? What? I don't know. Swap them." <laughs> So, I mean, like the scene just now, certainly in Scotland, it, it, it really doesn't seem to be... It used to sort of come and then take a wee breather and then go, but now it's... it's Although it is old school, it's almost a scene in itself now, yeah. you know? Yeah. like, and, it, and it's not like some cheesy 80s bar you yeah. go to, but, it, you know, you're tapping into that era. But course, it's yeah. so much more than just some... Yeah. I don't know, theme night or something, you know, like you're saying, the philosophy's yeah. there, people looking out for each other. I mean, I, 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 I mean, like coming up to Scotland, I mean, when we first came up here, we were just surprised how much energy you guys, you guys got or had, you know, I mean, back in the day. I mean, the biggest rave we ever played at was uh, Technodrome. Yeah. The loudest was, um, oh, what was it, Holocaust yeah. in Scotland, you know what I mean? I mean, like, was it Lid Airport? Is it Lid Airport? Is that Lid Airport? Is that mm, no, it's down south. Where, where do we play in that? Um, Presswick. Presswick, Presswick, Presswick Airport. Airport. Yeah. Presswick Airport. The most weirdest place to do yeah. your rave. Like. With the bin bags covering the windows. <laughs> so, it's bizarre. It's still a function in the airport exactly. as well. It's yeah, yeah, absolutely exactly. insane. Yeah. So, I mean, some of, the, some of the best venues, I mean, some of the best venues and some of the best nights we've had is in Scotland. Yeah. Yeah, the Metro. Metro, Metro yeah. uh, Air Pavilion. Arches. You know. Yeah. Um, just... Oh, this is on. 101. Yeah. Boston 101. Yeah. Livingston. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 It, was, it was just, we, we was virtually here every weekend. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. And Langs used to drive as well. Take like, the next week to drive back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's that, uh, what was the kind of, what was the first gig he's done? You said, was it, you'd done a 15 date tour in Scotland. What year was that? Was that, Tin Pan Alley or something you mentioned yeah, yeah yeah we played Tin Pan Alley but back then it was like a promotional tour yeah. so it wasn't us gigging as such just and out promoting that single yeah. yeah so we did 15 in two nights so it must have been 7, 8 each night yeah, yeah. so it was horrendous I mean some well, some of the nights it was just literally you're on stage People just got their backs here, just turning and then goes, oh, there's a PA on. All right, then just carry on drinking. <laughs> and smoking. And smoking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Remember that like coming back for you guys, thinking I smoke, man. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was wearing a strap-on keyboard. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. yes. Was yes. that an SH-101? Yeah. <laughs> yes. A guitar. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Okay. Oh, man, that is cool. Oh, yeah. I can remember the first time I seen one of those. It was a band in Edinburgh. Yeah. And the guy had a red SH101. And I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> slightly jealous, slightly. <laughs> I don't know, embarrassed for him as well. I don't know. With the, with the mod grip. Oh, <laughs> oh a mod grip. <laughs> so, I mean, an amazing career. Still rocking it now. Yeah. You're up to play your first time 1994 been trying to book you guys for five years really for this event yeah finally finally here I'm looking forward to seeing you guys although, although there is loads of different nights I think each wee night's got its own sort of crowd and mm. and I'm and I've seen you guys perform loads of times and I'm 
I'm excited to see how the crowd are tonight with these because I think it's 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 a nice size of venue. Yeah. You're, I don't know if you know the venue. Yeah, if you've played, played in it before, before, maybe. Is it, is it a live? It is a live venue, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's yeah, a it's an old like, theatre house. Yeah. It's kind of like the metro a wee bit, as in like the stage bit there, and then the crowds sort yeah, of in front of you. So I think it's it's just one of those ones where you can see Perfect. everybody yeah. and everybody's in on it, sort yeah. of thing. No is there any sort of gigs just kind of rounding things up that sort of stick out in your mind it doesn't necessarily need to be Scotland well Scotland would have been one of yeah. the yeah. like the uh, what was it um, uh, which one the uh, Technodrome my, my, my favourite gig of all time Holocaust just the noise for the whistles and all that noise, was whistles I think yeah, we, we yeah we was we was at our peak right um, just come off the back of sweet, and then off the uh, back of um, Ecstasy so then on that we we had costumes right, dancers was yeah. on par, everything was just everything was tight. I mean, still on video now, and I still I still get flutters here, yeah. hearing and seeing it. But the crowd was just amazing. Was that when you felt you were on the top of your game? Just yeah, it was just. Didn't you think like that? No, and everything like that. Yeah. Just thought like that until retrospect when yeah. we watched the video yeah. like on YouTube, yeah. like about twenty five years later. Sometimes when you're right in the middle of it, you don't really get a chance to enjoy it. Only you're on to the next one. Yeah, I mean. We never lost track of the enjoyment that we was getting from it, um, sort of making the music and then performing the music. Mm. So if everybody was having a good time, then it just elevated it even more. Yeah. Yeah. We perhaps enjoyed it a little bit too much <laughs> yeah. and had to put in some kind yeah. of boundaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah true, there's yeah. always a the lost years. There's always a the lost years, <laughs> the hazy days. Hazy days. <laughs> 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 I, think, I think for me Technodrome Texas Biscuit just the sheer size, size of it and, and the fact that nearly everybody got stuck in the grass the next day yeah try to get out of the car park it out for 15 grounds of lime didn't work and yeah. it was just like just one spotlight yeah, yeah. it was just immense. It was immense it was immense I think the farmer was charging a tenner per car to get it out of the mud oh, rinse yeah. He's probably still dining out in that story, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> that was a farm in Ayrshire. That was in Ayrshire. Yes. And I don't know why. That's where all the sort of raves were. It was always yeah. the same kind of... I don't know if it was the same farmer. He must have just went, they're, they're rave kids. Yeah, yeah. i still got my laminate of that. Now. still got my laminate of that. Yeah. So, Holocaust. Technodrome. Astoria. Was the very first one. And then, good. and then, like, there's been like small little festivals we've done. I remember Mayfair, Newcastle Reservation. What was that one yeah. we did? Is it Shindig? Yeah, Shindig Festival. Glade. It was a Glade one where we literally, it was a mud fest, and then we played on the Sunday. And basically, it was an open marquee. So on one side, it was where the campsite, and they basically just used it to, as a walkway. So the lads, the mic goes, oh, do you want to play there? There's not many people here because the rain's just washed everything away. Because no, no, we'll, we'll go and we'll just use it as practice. So we were on our, with, with our Wellingtons, just doing our PA. And it was just amazing. People just kept walking by and then stopping, walking by and then stopping. And then by the, by the quarter of the way, you played the blinding set, by the way, if you don't mind me saying that, Nick. Played that. And then we, we didn't even notice it. When I looked up, I thought, bloody hell, the place is packed. And then Nick dropped is it that decor and when them strings came up the sun broke out and beautiful it's just one of those one of those moments where and it's and it shone straight through the marquee you know what I mean it's, you know, that's, that's yeah, yeah. That, that stuck in my mind how we just polished a turd <laughs> yeah, I mean, from, a, from a DJ's yeah. point of view though they're the best gigs when yeah. they're empty and you feel it feel obviously it. Yeah. you know you, you're going to enjoy those yeah, gigs of course you yeah. feel as if you've done your job yeah, it? We, right. we prefer we prefer doing warm ups than we do headlining we prefer doing warm ups yeah, yeah. 
out less pressure or just like it's a challenge, challenge in a way yeah. um, and you can't lose can you because <laughs> <laughs> like next <laughs> if the floor's empty it's still empty it's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. we did our best yeah. we did our best yeah. Yeah. next <laughs> so gigs now do you try and enjoy the night or are you are you, are you kind of in and out or how, how do you work things we tend to we always arrive hour and a half before because we want to hear what's going on yeah. and we would get a feel for the place um, back then we were 10 of us on the road sound engineers lighting engineers yeah. you know and dancers um, now we travel three of us maybe a mate will come along mm. and we're just enjoying it so much now because yeah. we can well we've all got families now as well so you know Sunday you need to do stuff yep. so uh, so you know and, and we'll we'll probably stay a couple of hours afterwards um, and maybe a bit longer sometimes and it's a lot more controlled obviously because uh, we've been doing it for 30 years so we yes. have to we 30 have to years huh? yeah yeah you're not back on Wednesday yeah, anymore yeah, I still, <laughs> I, from the first gig to now I still get nervous playing yeah I still yeah. get nervous playing I, and and once that stops I don't want to get complacent I've got doctor yeah, yeah. a gig like it's my first one yeah and I mean I really, I really enjoy it. recently I've re like my last 10 years I've really enjoyed performing and adding little bits just little bits yeah. and little tweaks to it. Every gig is a little, little bit different. Yeah. You know, I ad lib when I when I when I do my bit, but I might just take a little bit off it and add to the show. Just and get that crowd crowd interaction. Try to because Nick Nick with his with, with the music he plays, Lanks with his sample and that, and then me with the the hosting and getting the interaction with the crowd yeah. and stuff like that. It just seems to it seems to work really really well. I think I think with with Lanks on the keys as well. Yeah. From from a DJ's point of view, it makes it exciting for me because yeah. I can suddenly say. I'm going to just leave it for you for the next minute yeah. and then I can join whatever he does I don't know what he's going to do yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it, yeah. it kind of changes and it makes it exciting, exciting for yeah, us yeah, exactly. and hopefully that kind of and goes you, to the crowd and even when you play I don't. I, I probably might know the first track that you play but then after that I'm just like right. but it challenges me yeah, yeah. as a front man to you know, get the crowd hype and just no went to slip yeah. in, went to slip out. So. so very much like back in the days, yeah. you're all trying. It's a wonderful thing when like the intuition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, all that, that's, yeah. that's That's good for us. Though, that's when you get the chemistry in yeah. it and you're all trying to, not, not like impress each other, but <laughs> you're all in it together sort of yeah, thing, yeah. playing off each other. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes like the, uh, the the sound that you get backstage, you know, you're monitoring, mm. is like really important to us. Yeah. You know, sometimes even if it's not that good a gig out front, Sound system that we're playing on, yeah. the monitoring is brilliant. You just have such a good time. Yeah. You can just hear everything. Yeah. Like you can mm -hmm. Do all your tricks. And yeah. And sonically, we want to hear. You know, want it pounding. Want it. Want everyone to hear every yeah. string, every chord. You know what I mean? Especially when there's like a ice bucket of beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that really, yeah, that really always helps. That yeah. always helps. Twenty yeah. little fellas just just dangling. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're in Scotland tonight. We'll get one or two. I can't promise. <laughs> Well, look forward to the show tonight. It's been a pleasure talking to you three. Uh, yeah, thanks, no, thanks for having us. Yeah. Magic. Um, ending on the tunes, if you want to pick maybe a tune just now that's floating your boat, doesn't need to be old, doesn't need to be new. It can just be one that maybe you're just, it holds a special vibe for you. Or if there's, is there any new music kicking about or is that? I'll kick one off. Papua New Guinea. Nice one. Oh, Future, sound Future Sound of London. Just because it was... Beautiful. You mentioned um, yeah. Waterfall. Yeah. Um, who's that by? Waterfall by. Da, 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 Is that Atlantic Ocean? Atlantic Ocean. Remember just doing a PA and then we had we was there all night 
and, I've, and I put on my shades jacket and it was all boggy and I remember just being off my head, just skipping in the rain and just like, that tune just got me on on the edge and then over. <laughs> that, that for me, that's more, one of my one of my favourites. But are we? Uplifting. I'd like to hear Fear of the Future, the one that they turned down. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. The one that they feared. <laughs> after 30 years, I still think it's got it and they, yeah. they've made a mistake. <laughs> so, so it was pre, pre-drum and bass, like if you listen to it back. Yeah. And uh, we had like some really good comments from that. People like LTJ Bookham, he loved it, didn't he? Who loved that tune. Yeah. Do you feel if that had, is that the one with the samples that never get cleared? Was that, no. my right? No, no, sorry. No, that was Happy Feelings. This is the ah, one okay. they thought was too underground right. to release after some charts. It was success. like one of, probably one of the early sort of like liquid sort of breakbeaty yeah. drum and bass tracks, yeah, at the, at the time. Well, Do you think if that had like came out and had time to sort of spread through Clubland, would, would that have changed the direction? And That would have really helped us because even if it wasn't successful, we would have still forged on yeah. with the direction that we was going yeah. with yeah. a much broader mm. sort of toolkit to be yeah. able to use really. yeah yeah but are we but instead it was stifled yeah snatched but we're over it now so it's alright so <laughs> <laughs> keep going on as you working on any new is there any new music I know it's it's kind of hard to try and tap into what was then now because it, it's almost impossible sort of thing but is, are you producing at the moment or oh mate I've got a computer full of music yeah. man yeah. <laughs> we've got loads haven't we yeah we've got loads, we got loads I mean, between us a lot, a lot of the stuff we do well we all do different stuff yeah, yeah. but a lot of my stuff is kind of a lot mellow but but we all do stuff for the show so we'll do remixes of Gat Decor or Candy Staten yeah. and you know we'll do cover versions of those and, and Rain will sing and so it's all PA yeah. orientated yeah. so yeah yeah. With, with so you're not really worried about records or releasing it it's just yeah. more for the show if one, well yeah. if, if one if one if, I mean because we always like we always field test our music when, we, when we're on the road so who's got a tape who's got, who's got some music mm-hmm. and we'll play it and then someone's got something going rocking no one's getting no reaction but I can turn it off there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll play it a bit later and then you play again and well, oh what's this tune oh the tune I just played <laughs> no, yeah but I, I can remember playing Armageddon Armageddon yeah in the minibus going yeah, to Texas no it wasn't Texas it was before that yeah so it was, it was coming up to Scotland though, and I played yeah. it and I was watching people because I knew it was like a demo I'd just done yeah and uh, nobody even moved. Yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, I'll ditch that one. And then I thought, no, I'm going to stick with it. The next time, it's, it's like Julian Roberts was nodding. Oh, oh. He was one of our dancers. And the next time, it's like, it's like, what's this tune? What is this tune? When, like, you know when you get everyone's attention? Yeah. And everyone's super busy rolling. And then when you played it the third time, everyone was like, everyone was just like in space. And they were like, what's this tune, Nick? What's this tune? So we used to like sort of vet our demos yeah. like that just with 10 people in in the minibus going to a gig and think about all so, us like, all of us all of us were DJs or can DJ or had mixed tapes yeah so as soon as the driver sat down you used to get about 30 tapes go like who's yeah. on first who's on first did you have the real wheel the driver got to pick or yeah. did you have to jockey the, for the, the, the driver the driver's going to get first dibs yeah, isn't he first dibs yeah <laughs> All right, wicked. Well, listen, brilliant. Um, SoundCloud as our Facebooks. What? Where can people find you guys? Facebook, mostly. Facebook, yep. Yeah, Facebook. Shades of Rhythm uh, fan page yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for the big blue lake. <laughs> yeah, Facebook. Yeah, that's about it. Really. Is it? Got, um, Anywhere on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just magic all over it. Yeah. 
<laughs> Wicked guys, great chat to you. Thanks for your okay. time. Thank, Thank you very much. much. Thanks for having us. Thank you.
1994 Old School Show.